We turn in God's Word this evening to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians chapter 4, as we come to the end of this short, short series on prayer, without ever having said it, I hope you followed along the four messages, tonight being the fourth and the means by which we did it. The adoration, the confession, the thanksgiving, and the supplication. Sometimes that little acronym of ACTS is a, a good reminder of how it is we are to pray. But I hope you've come to understand through this series that uh, although it may be a good acronym to be used in perhaps our public type prayers and to some extent in our private prayers, I, I don't think when Jesus instructed us to go into our prayer closets that somehow in that closet we have hung up those four letters and we're supposed to make sure we cover all four. It might be well for us at sometimes to simply be coming to the Lord with our prayers of adoration. At other times, we're simply praying our words of confession or thanksgiving or here as we cover tonight our prayers of supplication that come up to us. Jesus in Matthew 6, 11, gave this instruction to his disciples as to how to pray. And when you pray, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Philippians chapter 4 is where we are at. I pick it up then at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudoria and I entreat Sinchia to agree in the Lord. Yet I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you again for this word that you have given us this evening. We pray that you will be with Pastor Bob as he explains it to us and helps us to understand it more fully. We ask for your guidance and blessings in this as well. Amen. And amen. First of all, then, let's deal with that which Jesus placed before us in Matthew 6, 11, praying for our daily bread. 
Secondly, we'll go then to Philippians chapter 4, where Paul reminds us that we do face a choice. We can either be praying or we can deal with anxiety. And then thirdly, the fact that when we do indeed pray, we are to pray with understanding. First of all then, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. If you note the title of the message, I inserted a word. I inserted in the message, give us, Lord, our daily bread. Because that is what is implied, is it not? It is implied that we are looking to the Lord for this daily bread. The first thing I want you to note about that, which Jesus is placing before us here in this prayer, by allowing us to pray these words, is what a privilege. What a privilege it is that we can go to the Father, that we can go to the Lord, that we can go to the one who is indeed the creator of this world, who out of nothing has made all that there is, and that we have the privilege of addressing the one who supplies all of our needs in Jesus Christ. That we may come to him, That we might address him. We might call him father. I know in the world in which we live in, sometimes there are those who say, you know, they have a struggle with, with the idea of the fatherhood of God. I think one of the things you learn as you read through the scriptures is that the people who lived in the times that the scriptures were written did not live life without the same problems that we face today. It wasn't like, well, you know, that's an old way of looking at it. We've we've got to invent a different way of looking at God rather than calling Him Father. No, this is the way that God desires for His people to see Him. Not in the light of the sinful practices that fathers engage in. I think we would all admit here who are fathers that we are imperfect. We do not do our job perfectly. We do not handle every situation with the grace that every situation calls for. We do not always give the appropriate answer that ought to be given. We have to confess that we as fathers are indeed sinners and we fall short. But that does not mean that the picture of God as the Father, and the privilege of addressing Him as such, then somehow needs to be changed. That which needs to be changed is us. That we have to be better portrayers of the fatherhood of God. Because in the picture of a father, you have one who is indeed the provider for his family. And how much more basic can it get than when we are given the privilege of coming to our Heavenly Father and praying, give us our daily bread. The second thing to note about that petition is the extent that Jesus goes. I mean, this is pretty small, isn't it, when you stop to think about it. 
that, that Jesus is saying that even something as simple as your daily supply of food is not something beyond that for which you can pray. We probably have all sat around a table where a child has raised their hand and asked for the privilege to pray. And perhaps as parents or sometimes as grandparents, depending on the circumstance of where this is, we kind of know, oh, I don't know if I should do this because I'm not sure what they're going to pray for. And then out of their little mouths comes some statement that is so simple, so common, so ordinary that they're praying about. And you stand back, and you are reminded, thank you, Lord, for teaching me again through the words of a child that I can pray for something so simple as my daily bread. Perhaps they've prayed for something that they know is going on. Perhaps they've prayed for somebody who is sick or ill. Perhaps they've prayed that the electricity might go on. And you just step back and you go, and Lord, I had, I had the tendency to, to say, no, I'll, I'll say the prayer today. But sometimes out of the lips of children, God has ordained his praise. See, what Jesus is teaching us here when we pray, that that which is the simplest, the most basic of life, can be prayed for. And if that is of concern to the Father, and if the Father is willing to hear even these basic concerns of our life, how much more so than those things that are weights upon us, those things that make us weary, those things that cause us fear, those things that cause us anxiety, how much more so that can those things be brought to the Father? If the God of heaven and earth, the God who knows all, the God who sees all, is willing to hear the prayers of his people as they pray for bread, do you realize that is the most common of all foods shared throughout the entire world. Everybody knows bread. Not everybody eats rice. Not everybody eats pizza. But everybody knows what bread is. Isn't it interesting that Jesus tells us you can pray for bread. But it's also rather interesting, isn't it, that Jesus says, when you pray, give us our bread, he adds a condition, he adds a limit. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. That which is sufficient for the day to come. 
that which is needed, that which is necessary for the day in which I live. As I've been working through Mark, it, it, it astounds me how much emphasis there is on bread. And then I think you have this whole passage in John 6 where Jesus talks about himself as the bread of life and there's the whole picture of manna. And here again, when I come to this verse, I think this is connected back to the Old Testament. This is connected back to bread, to manna. Journey with me for just a few moments back to Exodus chapter 16. If you have a Bible with you or available, just go back there. And note how that emphasis upon daily bread comes out. We're going to be at Exodus chapter 16. And I'm going to begin at verse 4. What preceded this was worry. What preceded this is anxiety. We don't have any food. We have no bread. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion. Just notice how this keeps coming back. A day's portion. What did Jesus command us to pray for? Give us, Lord, our daily bread. I'm about to give you a day's portion. Every day. I will give you a day's portion, but I am only going to give you that portion each day as it comes, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they, pre when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Notice that emphasis, daily. Now go with me down to verse 14. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Now, if you look at your footnote, that's where the word manna comes from. Manna means, what is it? So throughout this entire journey, they keep going, manna, what is it? What is it? It's the what is it bread that they're receiving. Now notice what happens. For they did not know what it is. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as ye can. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. Their day's portion. Do not mistake the fact that here in Matthew chapter 6, 11, this is in the mind of Jesus. What are we to pray for? Lord, give us our daily bread. 
Don't give us next week's bread. Don't give us next month's bread. Don't give us next year's bread. Just give us, Lord, that which we need for today. Because we know that you will also supply tomorrow. But we will ask you tomorrow to supply us tomorrow's bread as well. And you will supply. How often is it not that when we pray to the Lord, we're praying for next week's bread rather than that which is our daily need, our daily bread. Now, I want you, while you're in, if you're in Matthew chapter 6, I want you to notice two passages. Okay? First of all, as this continues, Look at Matthew 6, 25. He's just taught about prayer, and then he goes into fasting and so on, not laying up treasures. But then he says, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Why? Because I've taught you to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So do not be anxious. Now go down to verse 34. Therefore, Jesus says again, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Because why? Because you've prayed, give me, Lord, or give us, Lord, this day our daily bread. Don't be worrying about tomorrow's bread. Be praying for today. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. Here's the connection. You say, how did you go from Matthew chapter 6 to Philippians chapter 4? Because look at what Paul writes in verse 6. The end of five is where I'll start. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. See, this is the very same thing. Paul now, coming to the church there at Philippi, addressing them in this letter, says to them, listen, the Lord, the Father, is with you. Do not be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So I hope you, you see the connection that is made here. As Jesus was addressing them about being anxious, he says you don't need to be anxious. Why? Because I taught you to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Paul says, don't be anxious. Instead, what should you do? You should be praying, give us, Lord, our daily bread. See, it really comes down to this. We're either going to be a praying people or we're going to be an anxiety-filled people. But you can't be both. Praying people can't be anxiety people. And the anxiety people are that because they are not a praying people. Paul is making this and Jesus is making this clear. 
Now, I don't want to cause you any more anxiety, but you say to me, but Pastor Bob, I pray and I'm still anxious. Maybe the problem is either you're really not anxious or you're really not praying. Because anxious people are not a trusting people. Listen to what Paul says. Do not be anxious. Do you know what the word anxious means? We would probably say worry, right? That, that would be our one-word answer. The word anxious in the Greek carries with it a little, well, it kind of goes that way, but it's more the idea of being torn in two. Stop to think about this. Isn't that really what anxiety is? You are torn. You got two things going on in your head, or three or four, and you're being pulled apart in different directions. All right. You got a chain on this arm, you got a chain on this arm, and you're being pulled, and there is all sorts of tension upon you. We have people who have tension headaches, right? Because we're being pulled apart, pulled in different directions. That's what happens, you see, when we don't pray. Paul's going to make this very, very clear to us. To be distracted from is the other Greek way. To be distracted from. Now I wonder what the tension is. I wonder what the two directions are. I wonder what it is that, that is meant that when we're anxious we're distracted from. It's the Father. God has promised to care for us, to take care of us, to provide us our daily bread. What's the problem? I don't trust Him. I don't trust Him to do what He promised. Therefore, I'm worried. Therefore, I'm anxious. Therefore, even though I'm going in this direction, that this is what I know he's promised, I'm pulled by my own self in a different direction. And I'm torn, and I'm under tension, even though I know what God has promised. My mind reasons that what God is saying is not true. My sinful self arises within me, my man of flesh, my old nature, tells me, don't trust him. 
He's not going to give you your daily bread. You've got to figure this out. You've got to figure this one out. You can't trust God with this one. You've got to figure this out all on your own. Don't trust your God. Don't trust Him. Do not be anxious. We don't have to be in that circumstance. We don't have to be in that situation. Now, while I address this, I might as well go the rest of the way as well. There are some people who like being in that circumstance. They purposely put themselves because they like the anxiety. I don't know why people would do that, although I have some clues. Sometimes it has to do with, you see, you get some pity for that. You get some attention for it. So the worry is, is not so much, it, it's more kind of, look at me, I'm going through a hard time. And we have to be perceptive enough to understand that that sometimes is what's going on. It's not really this tension between prayer and anxiety. It's really this other sinful self thing arising once again. It says, I just want to make a big deal of this so that people sympathize with me. But for those who are truly in these anxiety modes, it's that tension that is being pulled. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And in every situation, where do we go on the opposite side of the spectrum from this anxiety? Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Listen to Paul. Philippians chapter 4. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What do we do? We go to the Lord. But in everything. The Greek word here is pas. I believe the Latin word would be which interestingly enough becomes in Spanish what? Bread. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. In all things, in everything, leaving nothing out. See, Paul is connecting back to Matthew 6, 11. Do not be anxious. God supplies bread. God gives to you your daily bread. Listen, folks, if I listen to every advertisement that comes on the radio and believed it and did not have an avenue of prayer, I might as well take all my money that I got anywhere, anywhere, sell everything, dig a hole, and bury it. 
because it's all just one big catastrophe. But then, of course, if it's in a hole, some sort of thing that somebody dumped in it would eat all my money. Right? I mean, no matter where we turn, there's a place to worry. There's all sorts of cause to fear. Paul says, do not be anxious in everything, in everything, even bread. The word here actually is is interesting because it refers to everything, but it refers to everything in terms of the various pieces and components. I don't think they have jigsaw puzzles in Paul's day, but that's the picture of it. It's the picture of a 3,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. Here is the one thing you're worried about and concerned about. Pray for it. It's one piece of the whole, but the whole is part, or the piece is part of the whole in everything. For every little piece, every little part of your life, you are allowed the privilege of going to the Father to pray. Do not be anxious. Pray. Pray. Making supplication. Remember how Jesus kind of put a little limit on the give us our daily bread? There's that limit. Here comes Paul's limitation. Do not be anxious but with prayer and supplication. And we might say, what's the difference between prayer and supplication? In this context in which Paul is stating this, prayer is that which you would do formally. Supplication is that which comes from the heart. That which comes from the heart. That's why behind Matthew chapter 6, once again, I will remind you, but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to be out on the street corners and pray. They wear their anxiety out on the street corner. No, you go, you go to your prayer chamber there with heartfelt intensity. You pray. You pray. And if my Lord and Savior, if Jesus Christ needed to be on a mountain for nine hours praying, I really seriously sometimes have to ask Bob Van Manen the question, and how much time did you really spend praying about that which you're anxious about? How how much heartfelt concern did you really have about this? You're making a lot about this issue. But how heartfelt is it? How much blood, sweat, and tears on your knees are you willing to put into this thing? If it's really that worrisome, if it's really causing that much anxiety, how much time then, Bob, shouldn't you be down on your knees praying? It needs to be a supplication, not just a prayer. 
It needs to be a pouring out of one's heart. Perhaps, no, if we were to pray in such a way, maybe there would be less anxiety in our lives. But we also, when we pray, need to pray with understanding. Listen to how the verse goes. The Lord is at hand. See, the Father is there. He's there. The Lord is not far away. He's on the mountain. He's watching. He's seeing. He knows. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. Ah, here's the counter to the anxiety. The counter to the anxiety is not a solution. The counter to the anxiety is not taking away that which you face. The counter to the anxiety is not the removal of that which you're asking to be removed. Or that which is a concern. It's not like you get up from prayer and you go, oh, it's all gone, it's all taken care of. Isn't that marvelous? See, I prayed and it all went away. No. The response is peace. That's what God gives. That's the counter to the anxiety. Not a solution to our problems. This doesn't solve the issue. Decisions still need to be made. Confrontations still need to be had. But God gives us a peace about it. A peace, notice, that surpasses human understanding. That surpasses the ability for a person to reason. Because if you ask most people, you're dealing with cancer? Really? you got to deal with whether or not to take drugs that are going to alter your lifestyle for the next 10 years or die? Wow, I can see where that would cause you some anxiety. But you're okay with it? You're at peace with it? No matter which decision? How can that be? I prayed. Ha! You've got to be kidding. How did prayer solve that? The prayer didn't solve the decision. The prayer brings you peace, which goes beyond the human ability to reason. This isn't a reasoning process. God gives peace. That surpasses, that rises above, that is superior to the human intellect. But not only that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now you have to read, you see. And the peace of God will guard 
your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What else does this peace do? It guards your heart, the moral compass of your life. Because you see what we're so prone to do when we get into these anxiety fix? We're prone to go beyond that which we know we should do. We are prone to become immoral. We are prone to go beyond the limits that God has placed upon our lives. To use words, to utter phrases, to engage in actions, to engage in thoughts that take us beyond the scope of where we would normally be. But the peace guards us. It protects us from going there. But it not only guards our hearts, our moral compass, it also guards our minds, our thinking. Because what happens when we become anxious? What did I say? We begin to doubt God. We begin to question God. We become angry with God. People become anxious and they leave church. They don't want anything to do with God. But you see, when we pray, when we are coming before God with heartfelt, emotional, true dealing with the circumstances we are facing, God provides a peace that protects and guards our mind from going where our thinking should not go. Remember I referenced this morning Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison? This afternoon I rechecked the passage. You know where Paul and Silas are in Acts chapter 16? They're in jail. Guess what city? Philippi. Guess what book this is in? Philippians. He's writing to the people who know that Paul was in prison. And do you know what Paul and Silas were doing in prison? Wow, I wonder what's going to happen to us tomorrow. Wow. I'll bet we're going to be killed tomorrow. If they beat us today, I'll bet tomorrow we're really going to get it. I'll bet we're going to die. Oh, man, what am I ever going to do? What are they doing? They're singing. You're right. But you know what else the text tells you? They were praying. How is it that Paul and Silas, they're in a prison, just having been beaten to an nth of their life, are able to sing praises to God because they have a peace that goes beyond, surpasses human understanding. A peace that guarded their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because they were praying. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. And that's not just for Paul and Silas. That's for you. That's for me. That's our Father. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. In the name of your Son, God's people say, Amen.